Hey guys, it's Nathan. This is episode 62 of The Nathan Seawood Show. The Nathan Seawood Show, inspiring you to live an extraordinary life. Hey guys, welcome to the show. I hope you're having a great week. Thank you for tuning in as always. And thanks for sharing the show around. I appreciate it. We do this whole thing without any advertising. We just rely on you to tell your friends, to share it on Facebook, tune into the Facebook Lives, and it's how we spread the message. Coming up to 62 episodes so exciting. I can't believe that we've got here together. Super, super cool. Uh, Super excited to have my friends uh, Jonathan and Michael on the show this week. They are the co-founders of Unsettled, who I've been heavily involved with in the last uh, year since I left my job. Unsettled runs these uh, two-week and month-long retreats all around the world. And it's for entrepreneurs or freelancers or people that have the ability to work remotely. Unsettled organizes everything for you to go and operate in a different country. So I spent a month in Medellin in Colombia uh, in August last year. They provided me with an apartment. They uh, give you a co-working space, lots of cool tours around the city, and you're with a group of 20 or 30 other awesome people that you get to hang out with. So I love these guys. I love their business. I love the concept. And I was super excited to have them on the show, especially because this month we're talking about how to inject more excitement and more adventure into your lives. I love the conversation. It kind of went uh, all over the place. We touched on what the new world of work might look like for uh, freelancing, consulting, and how people can leverage that, and how Michael and Jonathan uh, think that adventure can add to your life and how it can ultimately help you feel more fulfilled. So let's get to it. Enjoy this very personal conversation with the powerful Michael Youngblood and Jonathan Kalen. So let me say thank you while I've got you both here. Thank you for sponsoring the podcast. I think you've sponsored the last four episodes, uh, which is pretty cool. And so everybody's really? been talking about it. Yeah. This is pretty I'm, awesome. I'm kidding. <laughs> we, love, we love to support things that number one are from alumni and number two, just we believe that I think what you're doing is awesome. And Thanks, man. I mean, if you're spreading and what you're working on, it's definitely aligned with Unsettled and what we do and what we believe in. So happy to. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, and it's a, the people that are listening really are in the same boat. You know, entrepreneurs, coaches, freelancers, people that want to live a little bit of a weird life. Like all of us, we're all a little bit weird. So um, yeah, it's cool. But I just I want to say thank you because it's it's nice to get that kind of support. So guys, uh, let's just dive in and, and uh, you can tell me a little bit more about you guys because you're obviously an unsettled, and we love that. But before we get into that, you know, how did you, this is obviously not your first business. Both of you seem like you're kind of serial entrepreneurs. So maybe Jonathan, you could take us into a little bit of your background and how you came to be unsettled. Do you mind if yeah. I go first? Just, uh, just Oh yeah, Michael. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you got to yeah. go. Yeah. You know, I think once John and I sort of finished college, we have a pretty similar story of, of what led to unsettled. Uh, I think if you ask both of us, we can't imagine ourselves doing anything other than what we do you know, by founding Unsettled, you know, by leading it the way that we do. And so how that all came to be, I mean, you know, my personal story is one of, you know, being raised in the American South, which has a reputation for being rebels and, and sort of a rebellious, you know, neighborhood. And I, I just sort of grew up always, you know, not appreciating authority, I think is the, the polite way to put it. And as I, you know, went into college, I was never a great student, both academically and behaviorally. And, you know, I think, I think there's a pattern among entrepreneurs who often fit that mold of, you know, they're, you know, they're relatively smart people and, and they just want to do things their own way. And it's not a great sort of habit. It's not a great personality trait, I wouldn't say. 
because you know it's going to lead one way. It's either going to lead you to like the penitentiary, or it's going to lead you to like you know maybe to, to starting a business. And um, there's a lot of drug dealers that would be great entrepreneurs. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. And you know, I I kind of came out of that some some troubled times, and eventually had to work my way to get into a good university. And coming out of there, you know, I think somebody I was working for at the time sort of saw that you know, slightly rebellious, but also was, you know, somewhat diligent and had a shit together type person in me. Uh, you know, I was, I was 21, 22, like, you know, any senior in college and he was about 30 years old and I was working for him and he just sort of said, do you want to start a business with me? You know, I think, you know, actually first thing he says, what the hell are you going to do when you graduate from college? And, you know, like most 20 something year olds, my answer was, I have no idea uh, what should I do you seem to have it figured out. And, and he sort of gave me a pitch and this is what he was thinking about doing, starting a new business and asked me if I wanted to go in, you know, 50, 50, that he could use, you know, some, some young help doing it. And that's the beautiful thing about being 20. I mean, I think when John shares his story, it's, it's often, you know, it's the same. You're 22 years old and you don't have any fucks to give about the world. I mean, you know, I wasn't you know massively in debt. Didn't, you know, I just need to make a little bit of money. I didn't care what kind of roof was over my head. And I just wanted to go out and do something interesting. And so that's what led to this first business. And, you know, once you sort of just get in that world of, of working for yourself, I think it just naturally leads to, you know, a lifestyle of doing that. So that was, I think, the early days for me. That's cool that you didn't have to make a big transition from, like, uh, you know, a lot of people give up their career to go into business. You didn't have to overcome that whole thing, the security yeah. piece. Yeah, it's funny. I asked my wife last night. John's going to get a laugh out of it. What would I do if I wasn't doing Unsettled tomorrow morning? <laughs> and she said, um, I don't know. I I also wonder, you know, she's like, I asked that question today. It's funny how we both asked that question. And um, I don't have a corporate that I started in that I'd go back to. And, you know, I think today we see a lot of people making that jump. And what's actually a fascinating data point that I came across recently is that by 2027, right, less than 10 years away, there's going to be more people in, you know, the, the U.S. economy is what I'm speaking to, but there's going to be more people in sort of the U.S. economy that are working freelance than there will be people who are non-freelancers. So there's actually this shift that's going to happen in 2027, more people in freelance than the not freelance. And so, of course, we're seeing a ton of people making that jump today from sort of that corporate structured world into this new world where they're, you know, working for themselves. And that's going to be the majority in just a few years. It's an unbelievable shift and it's unbelievable how fast that's happening. It's as quick as sort of the rise of the corporation happened, you know, really in the 1950s as a, as a work environment. And we take that for such granted. It was 70 years ago. And like our entire world is shaped around that, you know how we work, who we interact with, how we get in the car or on the bus or the train every morning and go into this office space. And the design of the, all of this stuff has just happened in 60 or 70 years and it's all crumbling down before us. And I think the three of us right now chatting have, have all that in common that we don't, we don't work in that world that's crumbling. And you can either be threatened by it or like I imagine the three of us are like fucking excited by it because that's how I see like being a freelancer or just I see such an opportunity to just find out what your gift is and then give it and then just collaborate with other people with their gifts and just make cool shit. Yeah, it's the ultimate form of human evolution, right? When you're a freelancer, you're constantly challenged every single day to reinvent yourself, right? You have more uncertainty in your life than any other situation and you're, you're forced to redefine yourself. You don't have a choice, right? You have to evolve and adapt and grow. And I think that's the beauty of it for, for those people who love the challenge and you get excited by not knowing what, you know, what's going to happen next. Um, it's thrilling because you get to ultimately take control of your destiny and figure out where you want to go 
as opposed to being told where you should go. Yeah. And isn't that awesome? I think because, you know, millennials get a pretty tough rap about like not wanting to work, you know, traditionally or don't want to work hard or whatever the bullshit, I don't pay attention to it. But, you know, I really think that freelancers or freelancing or consulting or whatever you want to call it, that's the most, what would you say? Like, I think it's the most aligned to, you know, being human, like being naturally what we're meant to be doing. Yeah. Not like stuck in a box. The number one thing at a high level that I've learned from running Unsettled is people are feeling stuck in a box. You know, they call it, you know, the cube and, and you know, the office, you know, there's a number of parodies we call it for a reason. And, you know, I think the reason they feel so stuck is they dedicate vast majority of their lives to this entity that exists beyond them. And if you think like holistically about human nature and the institutions that have been around for thousands of years, you know, we've gone from, you know, a, a multidimensional being that is, you know, defined by our families first, you know, our kinship, our lineage, our religion tied right in there with, with family, the location where we live, and then, you know, what you do for a living. It's really been only the last couple of hundred years where we've truly defined it by what you do for a living. You know, it's where all of our last names come from. and People who come down to so many of them are making this jump from corporate to individual to, to freelance to their own career. And, and I just feel like they're feeling drained that they're, they want to stand up and yell to the world, no, fuck this. I'm not a you know, you know, unidimensional being. I'm not just here to work you know, 60 hours a week for somebody else where I'm not able to fully show up with my creative you know, individual self that I am. And now all these other parts of my spirituality, you know, my sexuality, my self-help, like these things in society, they just, they're just not as institutionalized as they used to be through other forms. I just think uh, I've learned more than anything else. And so that's what people are lacking and craving. They really want, you know, more than, than the work. Yeah, because in a way, you guys are at the front of the way. But you're seeing a lot of people that are going through this transition. More people who are just frustrated by the status quo, right? More people who are looking at their lives and saying, what am I working for? Or what am I working towards? You know, what am I doing this for? If I, if I show up every single day in a nine to five, at, you know, Coca-Cola, right? I mean, it's a great company, but what do you end up doing at the end of the day, right? What is the purpose of that work? Is it to give people a soda, right? Is that the reason to wake up every morning, to give people a soda or to help sell more sodas, to help sell more products, you know? And you know, I think more people are starting to realize, like, what is it that, that they can do or what is it that we can do that can, I think, fulfill other humans and fulfill other people? What is our role in that, right? We're all part of a society, and I think, the more that we see ourselves becoming connected, I think actually the more we tend to question what is our role in that connected society and how can we use what we have, our experiences, what we learn, what we do, our skills to actually contribute to something much greater. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of work may not lack meaning, but it, but it lacks some kind of overall purpose that is hard to see. Mm-hmm. I think that's such an interesting point. And, you know, I think a, a generation before us, they would gladly take that job at Coca-Cola in this case or whatever company. And oftentimes what they were working towards is to support their family, right? But guess what's plummeted in the last generation, right? Marriage has, you know, families have, you know, again, speaking mostly in the U.S. and Western. Um, you know, before that, like that support of the family, it was sort of this, you know, the, the idea of Max Weber, the sociologist, came up with the Protestant work ethic of what was driving people in Protestant religions, especially Calvinism, was... You know, the ability to show up on the doorstep of heaven, the gate, and you're literally judged by what you accomplished on earth. 
And that, his theory was that that motivated people throughout their lives to work and have this work ethic. So they would literally show up after they died at the gates of heaven and God, I think, would come out and say, like, what did you accomplish in your life? And they would, you know, share it with them. So a lot of cokes. <laughs> today, what is it that's motivating people? The family's down, religion's down. You know, it's like we have to show up and figure that shit out for ourselves. And, um, and yeah, it really creates an interesting existential dilemma for some. It's a human problem, right? I mean, you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs and where are we on that hierarchy as a society? I mean, there's, there's plenty of people who are at the bottom, right? And we forget about that. But there's also Western, North American, European, and other societies have reached a certain level where, you know, that sort of self-fulfillment part is the main objective now, right? They've reached a baseline of housing, of income, of security, of stability. And, you know, you question then what next? And, and we're collectively answering that question of, well, how do we figure out what are we doing with you know, the time that we have here and how do we get the most meaning out of that? And it's, it's a hard question because society and, and civilization has never really been at that point at this scale. Yeah, like living is, uh, you know, survival is not a big issue for a lot of people now. It's like we've got shelter, we've got food, we're, you know, we've got fresh drinking water. So like killing tigers or whatever is not a big deal right now. So then what does the meaning become? And obviously that self-actualization is the Maslow's answer, right? Yeah, that's right. And we, and we go with a culture of convenience, right? I mean, you know, it's sort of this, this culture of how can we make things more convenient, right? How can we replace the mother that does your laundry or does your chore? Like, there's so many different things out there that people are building that are designed around convenience, but there's something truly rewarding in adversity. There's something truly fulfilling about overcoming a challenge. And I mm. think there's so many things in society are designed to make us comfortable. When in fact, I think a lot of people are seeking things that will make them uncomfortable, seeking things that will force them to understand who they are um, and what's important to them and how they overcome obstacles. And, you know, I think we're lacking a lot of those things right now, uh, just as a result of a design of a society that's meant for us to be comfortable. Yeah, I love what um, Tim Ferriss says is like, uh, a lot of people want excitement. They say happiness, but they mean excitement. And then another quote I heard is, excitement is fear without the breath. So like excitement and fear are really closely linked. So when someone says like, you know, let's say that premise is true, we're lacking excitement in our lives. We focus too much on comfort. Well, then that's going to look like challenge. That's going to look like striving. That's going to look like taking a few risks. I think the uh, hierarchy of needs is an interesting example and in, in thinking of it as a society, you know, or a segment of society, you know, where are people who are going off to work for themselves? And, you know, I think back to like, you know, if you think back to you know basic physics, it's like how much energy, how much calories does it take to get you know the temperature of water from you know say non-boiling to boiling? It's only one degree of separation, right, to get there. But it actually takes a hell of a lot more energy to cross that threshold than it does just say from like fifty degrees to fifty-one degrees, and we're actually crossing that threshold. And and so it's it's actually a threshold full of pain and struggle and energy. And I feel like as as a society or segment of society, when we're at that point of like, okay, are we moving from one where it's relatively easy now to satisfy our basic needs and we're moving up that arc. It's like we're crossing in as, you know, we're having a really hard time with this and struggle with this as a generation of figuring out, you know, what does this look like in our own lives? You know, there's a bright side of all this too, you know? Uh, there's a bright side of, of why people are leaving work too, you know, because they wake up one morning and they're like, Man, that side project I've been working on is is going you know super well for me now. I think you know I think John and, and my both of our stories you know it is a story of of having side hustles. Um, I think you know the best advice I could give anybody if they're thinking about you know sort of jumping ship and going on their own is 
is invest in your side hustle because eventually that might grow just enough to support you. That's all Unsettled was. You know, it was a sailing trip that we did. We did it once. You know, we spun off a trip off of that. We did it twice. Spun another trip off of that. We did it three times. And we were like, wow, this side project of ours suddenly has $150,000 in revenue. Like, hmm, let's sit down and brainstorm about this. Should we do anything about it? And, you know, I think that's another you know, popular reason why people are leaving work today because it's, it's, the barriers for starting businesses are so much easier today than they were even just 15 or 20 years ago. You know, the market's just right there, you know, advertisement away on your phone. And so many more people were able to get there. And so the good news is a lot of people are jumping that ship. The bad news is once you jump it, it's so much more competitive than it used to be when just the Coca-Colas of the world were starting on it. Such huge competitive advantage and barriers to entry. So there's, there's the good news, bad news for people who want to jump ship. And what's, Michael, what's your, what drives you now? Like what's obviously unsettled is a huge part of your life. But personally, how do you look at the new world from your own point of view? What's your mission? What drives you forward? Man, good question. Um, John, do you have an answer? You can always go first while I think of one. <laughs> you can also say, I don't know. I live for the day. <laughs> I, think, I think for me, it's, it sounds incredibly simple, but I think it's, it's maybe a little bit deeper, at least it is in my head, but it's, it's inspiration, right? It's using all that I've learned and all that I've done to try to inspire others to live more fully. I mean, it's, it's in many ways the same thing that, that we look at unsettled. You know, unsettled is a vehicle basically with the seed planted by Michael and I and now carried forth by an incredible team to really inspire people just to live more fully, right? I mean, we have a short time on this earth. What are you going to do with it? And for me, it's what have I learned in my time, in my 30 years, you know, the experience that I've had, the people I've met, the places I've been, you know, how can I use that and how I've navigated that personally to be able to challenge others to understand what they're capable of and understand what they're possible of and understand their opportunities out there. Because like we were saying before, so many people just live inside this box, right? This box of their immediate network, their immediate family, their immediate job, their immediate circumstance. And it's really hard to see beyond those, those boundaries, right? It's only through an experience or something that shakes you up and takes you outside of that comfort zone that can give you the sense of, wow, there are so many more things out there that are possible than I thought. And I think, you know, what wakes me up is if I can inspire one person a day to be able to see those possibilities, I'm happy. You know, before this, I was a journalist. I would write a story that would maybe reach a million people. I couldn't really tangibly understand that impact, right? I knew it was having some kind of impact, but I really didn't know. And I find the work that I do now and what we do with Unsettled is far more fulfilling because at the end of 30 days, we can see what happened, right? We can see where people have gone. We can see where the journey has taken them. And five years later, we can see where that journey has, has put them an entirely different trajectory in their lives than, than where they started when they came. And so that's really what wakes me up in the morning. Yeah, it's really powerful. And it's, I love that you, that's your personal thing. Like that's what you do. You know, it's it, uh, unsettled as a company does all these cool things, but that, that's your expression. Well, I think that's part of the entrepreneurial journey, right? And something that, that Michael and I were really, you know, I think we're a little bit different than how other people start companies is that we didn't start with an idea, right? We started with a set of values. We sat down for a week together in, in Columbia and said, you know, what is it that makes us happy? You know, what is it that we, we find excitement through? What is it that challenges us? What have we learned in the past few years about the world and our place in it? You know, what is it that we want to see ourselves doing in, in two years, in five years, in 10 years? What are the knowns and what are the unknowns? And I think going through that deep process of questioning and, and really understanding to your question of like what motivates you um, and working on that together with somebody, I mean, we came up with it was essentially a manifesto for any business that we could create. And it just so happened that the most prominent one that we thought resonated most with us was the cycle. It was what Unsettled has become. 
and it made complete sense. And I think it's, you know, it's so much more, not easier, but so much more fulfilling. And I think ends up with so many, so much of a better result in the end to start with something that is so deeply based in your values um, mm-hmm. and the value that you can share with somebody else and send that into the world because decisions, you know, you have to make decisions every day when running a company. If you have a base of values and sort of a manifesto to make those decisions off of, I think the path becomes a lot more clear. Yeah, I love that you took the time to ask those questions because that's not something that everybody can do. Not everybody has that ability. And you just rattled off like some of those incredibly beautiful, succinct questions and uh, you know, try and capture those in the notes. But how did you get, like, where did you find that? Like, where did you find that piece? Like, how did you know where to look? How did you know to ask those questions? How did you know to, what your values were to even find a business that aligned with them? I mean, I think for me and probably Michael as well, you know, it, it, came from, it came from that freelance lifestyle, right? It came from us working for ourselves or starting different companies and going through that process of constantly challenging ourselves to evolve. Mm. I think you go through that process long enough and you realize the questions that you have to ask yourself, right? Questions that you're constantly, you know, kicking around in the back of your head of, what am I going to do tomorrow? What am I going to do in a year? Right? What is it that's making me happy right now? And what is it that's bringing me down right now? What are the different elements in my life that are making me feel like I'm growing and making me feel like I'm being pulled backwards? And I think, you know, when we started to discuss those together, like we realized how closely aligned we were in a lot of those challenges, with a lot of those possibilities, and a lot of those values. And so, you know, I think it, it came naturally to us just just by nature of. We'd gone through a lot of that self-reflection and, and on our own journeys, and that it made sense to try and go through it together and figure out where is the alignment, right? Where are the things that we both find exciting and interesting, and where are the opportunities that we see that are opportunities that we would want to seize, as opposed to just saying, "Oh, you know what? This is a lucrative idea. Let's go out and you know make a billion-dollar company selling widgets or you know making an app." And so it's um you know it's a tough process, and a lot of it is is just on the fly, and it's just about being you know honest, being transparent being vulnerable, being open, and really not not leaving anything off the table, putting it all out there and saying like, if this is going to be the thing that, you know, I commit myself or you commit yourself to for the next X number of years, better damn well be meaningful, right? It better be something that we're going to be driven to wake up and do it every single day. You know, I, I'm sure a lot of founders go through that questioning process, but I've often seen in my experience, a lot of that happens six months, 12 months, 24 months down the road when all of a sudden they realize those values and those things actually are a little bit more divergent than they had originally thought. And they may have been attracted to a similar idea, but we're coming at it from different angles. So, you know, I think it's a process of working with startups for a long period of time and seeing that and trying to understand those questions that are most effective to building something you believe in. Yeah, I've heard it. Someone said that, you know, the two greatest places for personal growth is a relationship and business. You know, because you, you can't hide from them, right? <laughs> I, I would just say they're one of the same. <laughs> they are, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, some people are married, married to their business. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, I also heard, you know, you, you've reminded me, like someone said, a nightmare situation is having a multi-million dollar business that you hate. Or yeah. another way, I guess, having a multi-million dollar business that doesn't align with your values. So suddenly you're making a ton of money out of something that really doesn't light you up. Yeah, one of my mentors, his big advice to me was never make so much money that you can't say no to going into that job every day. He lived in Charleston, South Carolina and worked in Wall Street. And so every Monday morning, he'd wake up, catch a flight, go up there for the week, leave his family and ranking ungodly amounts of money. And I think this is especially true among freelancers. You know, as people are doing that ship or leaving, you know, freelance lives, 
you know, no matter what, how much money you make, you know, as we were talking about earlier, you know, you're constantly reinventing yourself and you're constantly going to have any days and you've got to be prepared for them one way or the other. So I think there's something said to be really careful of, you know, how do you define this lifestyle that you're going to live? What are the values to John's points? Make sure that, you know, we're, we're living in that age more than ever because of how we work and, and you know, this new way of working. It's just not served to us. Uh, on, on a plane anymore. We got to figure it ourselves and it doesn't make it any easier, I guess. You know, we don't, we don't look at Unsettled and say, you know, we're driven by creating a billion dollar company, right? No, you know, we're driven by creating remarkable experiences for people, right? And, and in doing that, we want to be able to create a healthy lifestyle for ourselves to live the way that we want. You know, neither Michael or I want to be tied to a desk 24 seven. We want flexibility in our own lives. We want to be able to take off and go surfing at, you know, 10 a.m. on a work day if there's a good swell. We want to be able to take a week and go, you know, skiing in Colorado or the Alps. We want to be able to live that lifestyle. And I think you have to design for how you define success. And I think you have to really carefully examine what is success for you, right? Success for me is not running a billion dollar company. It's having a lifestyle that I can enjoy while also doing something I believe in and, and, and growing something that I think extends far beyond the impact that I could have, you know, on my own. And so, it just comes down to how do you define success for yourself and how different is that from the trajectory that maybe is expected of you or, or not expected of you. And where does the money come into it? Because, you know, something that I think about often is I love what you just said and I live my life the same way. You know, my, my lifestyle has been designed the way I love it. I get to travel all the time, run business, same as most people, hopefully that are listening to this podcast or that's what they're aiming to do. But where does the money come into it? Because you, you're not a charity, right? Unsettled's not a charity that just wants to give people free trips around the world. I mean, that would be great if somebody wants to fund us. Actually, that would be cool. That was a really good idea. <laughs> uh, where's Rockefeller when you need him? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, love, love doesn't pay the bills, right? You know, for us, it's how do you create that balance? How do you find a balance of something that people are willing to pay for, that you're willing to offer, and that you both believe in? You know, I think we really believe in a fair value. We could charge 10 times more for these experiences and up the game and make them price prohibitive and make a ton of money. But part of the reason we keep them, you know, the price we do, which a lot of people, customers actually tell us, you guys are charging too little, is because we want to make it accessible, right? Mm -hmm. We don't want to make this just something for an elite group of people from elite circles and elite societies. You know, we've had people from 65 countries in the past year. And that's one of the things I think we're most proud of is the diversity of that community. Because not everybody can afford, you know, a $10,000 experience. So, you know, you've got to pay the bills. You have to make sure the financials work. You have to look and say, you know, where is this all going to balance out? And that's a constant struggle, right? You're battling with competition. You're battling with market forces. You're battling with all sorts of things going on. But at the end of the day, it's just about saying, you know, can we create something here that people are going to value for this much money? It's the same thing, you know, freelancing. As a journalist, it was like I could sit down and write a piece and, you know, the fair value of that is $300 in one market and the fair value of that is $600 in another market. You have to look and say, which market do I want to write for? Right? What kind of piece do I want to do? I can do a clickbait for $100 or I can do a, you know, investigative piece for $1,000 and one will take more time. I'll be happier and, you know, one will be really easy. I won't be happy. So it's a trade-off. You know, Michael and I could be doing things that, that make a lot more money than, than, you know, Unsettled does, but do we want to? No. No, we're not going to wake up happy. Would they allow us to live the lifestyle that we do? No. So it's just one more factor that you kind of have to put into the equation and see where it balances out and what you're willing to risk and, and what you're not. Yeah, and I think that speaks to your experience, right? That speaks, you, you've had a lot of startups, you've been in business a while that you know what's important now. Where I think what I hear a lot of is people are still focused on the money. Like, 
you know, all the Bitcoin shit drives me insane because it's just people trying to make a quick buck, right? And they think that's the answer. If I can get a quick 20,000 out of Bitcoin, then I'll be happy, successful, whatever they're, they're thinking. Well, I don't think they really do think about it, but it, it's great to hear you on the other side of going, hey, look, I could make lots of money, but that's not what's important. Here's what's important going forward. And I want that message to like go out loud to everybody listening. Yeah. And you, and you need to define your, your baseline, right? What, what's your base? Like what's the base that you think you can live on for how long, right? Maybe for some people that's $40,000. Maybe for some people that's $100,000, you know? So what is the base amount that you're, you, you need to be comfortable? And how do you design something that allows you to do that? Or at least most of the time allows you to do that with certain elements of, of risk involvement in any sort of freelancing or entrepreneurial venture you know, inherently present. So and I think you know, the sweet spot in there is to be able to focus on the values and not remove that from, you know, running a business, you know, a business that needs to draw a profit. Your life, of course, is all balanced, you know, and I think, you know, the, there's just golden flakes when you find somebody that's truly values driven and just, you know, is diligent, is, you know, well-rounded, is organized, can show up and just do the work that's required of them. And that's kind of what we look for in anybody that we hire, anybody that we partner with, work with, is somebody who has both sides to the equation, the values and the work ethic and the business mind. You talked about, you know, sometimes it's a challenging thing to ask yourself, like, does this align with my values? Is this, are we still on track? And I'm assuming like you have employees now, so you're, you're an employer as well. So you're on both sides of the coin of this new world. So do you have any examples maybe of like a challenge that you faced or something that you thought, actually, this isn't aligned with our values or what we want to do? Had to sort of shift gears a little bit? You know, I think it's, um, you know, I think, I think for us, it, it comes down to decisions around growth. I think that's usually where the challenges come is sure. how do you want to grow, right? You know, like I was saying earlier, I think you could, you know, you could charge a lot more for these experiences and, and keep it small to a small group of people. Mm. or you can keep the price a little bit lower and open it up to a much broader cross-section of people who really are looking for these kind of experiences in a way that matches them. And I think, you know, that's a tough decision, right? To say, well, you can make more money here, but, you know, you're going to be serving just one group or you can make less money here and you're serving a bigger group. You know, some things are inherently more scalable than others. And a good example of this is actually when we were founding Unsettled is we originally had a concept that sort of fit around more of a housing company. You know, imagine sort of unsettled houses in cities all over the world. But the sort of business model around housing and real estate is, you know, put an ass in a bed, right? It doesn't matter who that ass is. doesn't matter where they come from. As long as they pay and they're in the bed, you're making money and your business is healthy. For us, you know, one of the sort of fundamental parts of Unsettled is building an incredible community. Uh, and if you're a real estate company, at the end of the day, it's hard to build community because your decisions are based around, can I get somebody to occupy that spot? Can I get somebody to occupy that bed? So, you know, we did have to make a conscious decision and say, we want to run experiences, right? The experiences are inherently less scalable than, you know, building houses and filling beds, but far more fulfilling and far more in line with the value that we have of building an incredible community of people all around the world. So you can scale up an experience, you can scale down, you don't have to fill a certain number. You can say no to people if they're not a right fit for the community. So I think that's one of the things early on that we sort of had to put our values to the test and say, you know, is this something we're going to want to create? It's going to take longer. It's going to be a bit more difficult. Um, but you know, number one, we can do it with very limited, uh, funds and we can get started immediately. And of course it, it fits our values and what's important to us. So, you know, I think the decisions will only get harder as we grow. Um, you know, we do have a team of, I think by our latest count, you know, over 20 people sort of distributed around the world. And that's really um, cool. 
thankfully they all share the same values as us and you know they see things the, the same way that we do and challenge us in, in every aspect possible and i think that's incredibly healthy of a team it's not just people who says they don't agree with you but you know who challenge you on the values that you stated six months ago or a year or beyond that and you go on a lot of these experiences yourself right like you'll pop up in bali or nicaragua or whatever and, and be there so you're actually doing it as well yeah i mean i mean why why create a product if you can't enjoy it yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like having a bar and not being able to drink <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly you know so i was, I was just in nicaragua like two weeks ago on that trip and had a really amazing time and i was in um, ireland actually last week running sort of an interesting experiment that we were doing with a, a university out of new york and porto before that so yeah you know and it's, and it's for us it's you know, I get incredible amounts of joy from being on those experiences because you're seeing what's happening firsthand. You know, it's not just the emails and the comments and the conversations and the people that you meet at the meetups around the world, but really seeing people in the experience is, I think, one of the most enjoyable parts. In terms of freelancers, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs in this new world, where does adventure and travel fit into it, do you think? Why is that an important piece? Well, I think, I think entrepreneurship and freelancing and adventure are all pretty much the same thing. It's calculated risk taking, right? You go on an adventure and you're, you know, you're entering the unknown. You're entering the most uncertain territory, whether it's a personal adventure of overcoming a fear or whether it's a physical adventure of, you know, overcoming some incredible speed or whether it's just diving into a situation that you've never experienced before and have no idea how you'll react to. You know, business and entrepreneurship is the same way. You know, you're charting new territory. You're looking at something in an entirely new way and saying, I'm going to figure out how to get through this. And I think it takes the same skills. I was listening to a podcast this morning with uh, Richard Branson and, you know, his sort of whole, uh, I think, whole persona is embodied around entrepreneurship and risk taking, right? I'm going to start a business and then I'm going to jump out of a balloon. You know, I'm going to go hang off the uh, Victoria Falls and then I'm going to go start, you know, an airline company. So, you know, I think the, the qualities in, in both of them are inherently the same. And, you know, Michael's story, I think, points to that of just being someone who takes risks and being a bit of a rebel. And I think that's really what it takes. And so... You know, for those who are comfortable taking risk in business and taking risk in their in their lives, I think they're seeking things that push themselves and experiences that, that push them a little bit beyond their comfort zone in ways that are different than perhaps their business or their work life. So, you know, for some people that could be, you know, paragliding in Colombia and for other people it could be, you know, going to a shaman in Bali and experiencing something that they've never even thought they would put themselves in that situation. So it's up to everybody's own sort of comfort level of how they want to take that risk and adventure. But uh, that same sort of feeling of adrenaline and that same sort of feeling of uncertainty that, you know, makes you feel positively unsettled, I guess. Yeah, it's all in the name, isn't it, right? Getting unsettled. And like again, it comes back to my comment about people looking for excitement. You know, when you're sitting in that office or when you're doing the same thing day in and day out, what you're missing is uh, uncertainty, spontaneity, challenge, being messed up. That's what travel definitely provides you. Yeah, I mean, we get, we get bored with the rope. Right? We want something different. You know, I think, I think a lot of us, you know, get bored doing the same thing every day, going to the same office every day, doing the same job every day. I mean, maybe some people thrive on it. I, I don't know those people, you know, I, and I think it is that craving for something different, that craving for being challenged. It's, it's in our nature, right? It's, it's innate to us and that we are, you know, adaptable creatures and we're looking for ways to adapt, to improve and to grow. Yeah, I'm so glad. This is such beautiful points. And it's so hard to get across uh, to people, you know, in a quick 30 second ad at the start of a show that this is not just going on a trip for a month and yeah. having fun. You guys have got such a deep mission and purpose associated with about helping people succeed in the new world is what I would call it. Yeah, and I appreciate you saying that. Because for us, it's, 
you know, it's a lot about how do you navigate uncertainty? You know, you think about the age that we live in, right? We have more uncertainty in our lives than ever before. I don't know if you've ever heard of Alvin Toffler and, and the book he wrote called Future Shock. It's really interesting basically predicting the moment when basically the pace of change would get to be so fast that we would no longer be able to cope as humans. Um, and it was pretty the age of the internet and, and sort of the hyper-connectivity, uh, hyper-connected society that we live in now, all the way back, and I think it was like the, the early 70s or late 60s. And, you know, that term of future shock, is that something that we're experiencing now, right? With the, the amount of information that we're consuming on a daily basis, the amount of choices we have to make on a daily basis, the amount of empathy we're expected to have for the world and the people around us and the people who are not around us on a daily basis that I think is challenging, right? We're definitely feeling a bit overwhelmed. And so there's so much uncertainty in the world and uncertainty about the future and where it's going. You know, part of living unsettled for me is how do you embrace that uncertainty? How do you navigate that uncertainty? And it's only by throwing yourself intentionally in, in situations that are uncertain that you can start to learn your process for how you navigate it. Yeah, the people that are going to struggle going forward are the ones that are trying to hold on to the old paradigm or that are not willing to be uncertain or not willing to go through the change, the growth. And and that's been the case throughout civilization, right? You know, the people who are unwilling to adapt. And some people, it's not just an unwillingness, it's just they don't know how, right? It's unsure how to adapt. And so it goes back to that idea of how do you show people possibilities, right? How do you show people opportunities that exist? that are things they've never seen before. It, it comes down to really perspective. And if you can do things that broaden people's perspective and their horizons on you know, what is out there, who is out there, you know, I think that can give them a fundamental sort of perspective shift on the way they view themselves, their role in the world, and what kinds of things that they can sort of push forward with that they may not have been imaginable to them. You know, I, I look at my own scenario and say, did I imagine you know, running a company with 20 people in 10 locations around the world that provide these experiences? Even three years ago, I never could have imagined that, right? But it was only through that process of just diving in and saying, let's see what we can create out of this. You know, we have this vision, what's going to happen? And jumping into that uncertainty, I mean, it, it yielded the incredible results for, for me. And the community is, has been, I think, more rewarding than, than uh, almost anything else. Yeah. And the community is a big part of it. I think I talk about that a lot in my own coaching and work with entrepreneurs is it can be lonely to start with, especially if you've come out of a corporate where you used to, you know, hanging around a lot of people every day. When you go into business, your friends, your family don't necessarily understand your new transition. So it can be, uh, lonely would be probably an extreme word, but it can be a little bit isolating. And so finding communities like the Unsettled Alumni community, you know, where it's very, very active on Facebook, for example, it's a big part of having a support network when you are a freelancer or a new entrepreneur. Well, exactly. And, and I think, I mean, there is, I mean, studies show that there's a loneliness epidemic in the world today, right? The more connected we are, you know, the inverse effect of what we think would happen uh, is happening and that we are feeling more lonely and disconnected than ever before. We like the depth. I think it has, exactly, lacking the depth. And, you know, with that sort of devolution of work and the restructuring of work to be freelance and to be independent and to be entrepreneurial, you have to restructure then how we build community because, you used to build community around where you worked, which then dictated, you know, who your colleagues were, where you lived, the communities you were part of. If you start to remove work from the equation um, as that sort of central base that you are operating your life around, then you have to think about how do you redesign how you build community? Because if you can work from anywhere in the world, how do you then create intentional communities that, that suit you that aren't just by, uh, let's say, a circumstance or convenience, right? So just because I live in New York and maybe I work in New York, I'm going to be hanging out with people in New York. But when that element is removed and I can work from anywhere, I have to be a lot more intentional about who I'm seeking, what kind of communities I want to be a part of. And it 
and it takes a bit more effort, right? Yeah, it definitely does. You guys are doing a great job of, of creating that. So thank you. I want to encourage anyone to go and check it out. You know, they've been hearing the ad for the last four or five episodes, so people are curious about it already. So it's cool to give them a bit more knowledge. You guys are giving me my, my own webpage, beunsettled.co slash Nathan. And uh, if you go through that, you get $150 off your first retreat. And you guys are everywhere now. You're trialing some new things. You've got new destinations coming out. You've been doing a month so far, but you've trialed a couple of two-week ones, I think. So what else is coming up for people this year? Yeah, a lot. It's going to be a pretty big year for us. So, you know, like you said, we're, we're experimenting with two-week trips because, you know, we're finding a lot of people who uh, just can't, just practically cannot do a full month. And so we ran the first one of those in Nicaragua and it was an incredible experience. And I was uh, actually amazed at how we could sort of fit a whole month of experience into what was pretty much a, a remote beach in Nicaragua. And so we're going to be opening more of those and, and just continuing to grow. Um, you know, we're going to have some really interesting new locations by the end of this year. And probably new ways of doing what we do. And part of the joy of this is every single month is an experiment for us. Every single trip is an experiment. So, you know, we don't have necessarily a defined product that is, you know, copy, paste, copy, paste. Every single chance we have to run something, to test something, we're pushing ourselves and innovating. What does it mean to have a shared experience? What does it mean to have a transformational experience? Um, what does it mean to build community? And what does it mean to do it in, uh, you know, multiple different locations? So. We've got a pretty awesome year planned ahead. and Yeah, it's great to be on your mailing list because you, know, you get these new destinations come out every couple of months. It's like always a race to check and see where they're going to be. I'm hoping to come and see you guys in Cape Town. That's my goal this year is to do a Cape Town one at some point. Better get in quick. That one, that one goes quick. Yeah, that one fills up really fast. <laughs> um, Jonathan, this has been awesome. The last question we, we ask everybody because it's easy to uh, kind of just keep positive and look at all the fun stuff and exciting things that are going on. But I like to keep it real and just show a little bit of the other side. So I ask every guest, you know, what's your dark side? What's the dark side that you have to battle? And uh, how do you embrace it? This is probably the worst thing for branding ever, but it's <laughs> actually it's actually settling um, mm. in a certain way. It's, it's breaking my patterns of being unsettled to try and actually be more intentional about the relationships I build, the places I stay. Because there's this sort of inertia uh, within me that I think keeps me moving forward, right? It's kept me moving places every year, every two years, switching careers, jobs. And I think I'm battling with that right now to just try and design more of my life to have stability in the way that I want it, right? I still want to continue to travel and have incredible experiences. But I think being more intentional and meaningful about relationships, it takes a lot of effort. And to do that on the road is, you know, I've, I've moved to New York about four months ago, and uh, I've actually been here for maybe a total of three weeks. And so uh, I think for me, it's how do you balance the two? And I think it's something a lot of people who live this lifestyle uh, are going through as well. You know, how do you really build the relationships that you want and commit to them and, and nurture them and grow them when sort of an innate desire is just to keep on moving? So I think it's figuring out that balance. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. We could do a whole podcast just on New York too, and how to like integrate life into New York and the idiosyncrasies of that. But uh, yeah, I, I've always thought that uh, you know my family and like all my brothers and sisters, friends, they all live in one town, the city in New Zealand still. And so that's always been an anchor for me. And I've known like no matter how unsettled my life is, when I go home, I know I always have home there, friends there, family, familiar restaurants, streets, everything like that. But yeah, it is a challenge. It's like, what's my anchor? You know, because it's cool to drift, but it's also nice to have an anchor. Yeah, and I think, you know, one way that I, I tend to look at it is, you know, people, place, purpose. You know, and at certain points of your life, you commit yourself to people, a place, or a purpose. 
And as you go through life, you sort of transition between those, right? You sort of say, you know, in your early 20s, a lot of it is around purpose, right? It's your work, it's what's driving you. As you sort of get older, maybe it's people and you commit to, you know, a partner or a group of friends or whatever it may be. Later on, it sometimes tends to be place because you get settled in somewhere, you get a house. And so, you know, I think I've always been just purpose-driven and I think I continue to be purpose-driven where my anchor is unsettled. This is what I pour all of my energy into. This is what I believe in most. And so despite everything that's going on and the movement and travel and those things, uh, I still feel incredibly grounded because the purpose is very clear for me. And that is to just amplify the impact of unsettled in what we do. Yeah, very cool. And there's there's little ways you can, I'm sure that you take home with you or that you make sure that home is wherever you set your feet down, I guess. Yeah, not objects yet. Maybe the red hat. Cool. Hey, man, this has been great. Thank you so much for having this conversation. And again, thank the both of you. We lost Michael there at some point, but uh, thank you both for sponsoring the show. And everybody appreciates it that you allow the show to keep going. It's It's our pleasure, Nathan. Keep up up the great work. Will do. Well, there you have it, my friends. My interview with the founders of Unsettled, Michael Youngblood and Jonathan Kalen. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you know someone that would love it, share it with them. Give them the link on Facebook. Share them the link to my website. And I will love you guys forever. Thank you guys. Have a fantastic week ahead. And I'll be back next week with episode 63 of The Nathan Seward Show. That's was The Nathan Seward Show, inspiring you to live an extraordinary life.